Let's pray. Heavenly Father, show us your character this morning. Help us to see you for who you are. Take away the blind spots. Take away the views that we may have of you that have developed from maybe it's our own fathers. Maybe it's other relationships. But it is not an accurate picture of who you are. Lord, this morning, give our hearts the beautiful image of who our Heavenly Father truly is. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. So we're continuing today this study in the prodigal son. Uh, Last week we looked at the son, and this week we're going to continue his story but move into the father and a vision for who he is. One of the most famous lines in movies, period. I can say a couple of words and you'll be able to tell me the rest of it. There's no... I mean, come on, I didn't even get like... And you got it, that. There's no place like home. I mean, it's that well known, that line. Um, There's a magazine that did the top movie quotes. They had a hundred of them. And The Wizard of Oz had four quotes out of all movies within a hundred. But that one right there was its highest one. At number 11, there's no place like home. That's what this morning's about. There's no place like home. Last week, what we saw was the prodigal who left, tries to make it on his own, uses all of his inheritance searching for something, and he spends and he spends and he spends until there's nothing left, and he is at the bottom of the barrel. Today, he wants to go home. As he sits with these pigs, there's no place like home. But how do you get there? What is the pathway? You know, in the Wizard of Oz, it is what? The Yellow Brick Road. This path of the yellow brick road, if you will just follow this, you will get home. You will get to that place where you want to be. What is it for us? This morning, my Sunday mornings don't always go the way I plan them to go. As I'm trying to get children out the door, and, and my wonderful wife is the violinist, and so she is here really early, and I'm getting children ready and trying to get them out the door. And in my head is a sermon that's kind of going along. And I'm thinking about that. And I'm trying to work with them. And, and then we threw the dog into the mix. And this morning I did something that I just, I hate when I do this, but we had gotten into the van. One child is strapped in. The other one's in the middle of strapping in. We're running just a hair late. The dog has been put away. And we leave our dog in the laundry room. So to get back in the house... You have to walk through and see the dog again, and he's all set up, she's all set up, and my son says, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like, no, you don't. Hold it. But he's five, and we're not gonna do that, because I don't know what that'll do to the van. And so we pull him out, and I have to go in, and the moment we walk in, we have this eight-month, full-size lab that is still a baby. 
And so she just starts jumping, and, and the boy opens the door, and she's running. I'm like, no, stop. And she looks at me, no, I'm happy. And then she turns around, and I'm just like, and I start yelling at this dog. And then I'm yelling at my son. And then we're back in the car, and we're driving here, and I had told them I would tell them a story on the way to church. But I am fuming still because I yelled at my dog, and I yelled at my kid, and now I'm mad at myself and I have to come preach a sermon about Jesus. <laughs> but you know those moments where you just know you're not quite right with God? Maybe it is something as simple as what I went through, where you just kind of, you just flew off the handle a little bit, and you don't feel right, and you know that wasn't the right thing to do, and you want to figure out, I'm here, and God is here, what is my yellow brick road? Or maybe it's worse. Maybe it's some sin in your life that you've been doing for a while and you're trying to figure out how to turn it around. How do I come back home? Maybe it's something that you've dealt with a lot. It's a sin that you've done and you've repented of and then you did it again and you repented of and you did it again and it just keeps happening and you wonder when you're in that moment, what is my road back? How do I bridge me and God, that's where the prodigal is at. He knows he has rebelled against his father and he wants to know how do I get back. That's what we see. Would you open your Bible to Luke chapter 15? Luke chapter 15. Our, we're starting in verse 17, but I just want to read 16 to kind of set this scene Luke 15, 16, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. He really is at the bottom right now. He's at that point where he knows the direction he's taken is the absolute wrong direction. Do you know that point? Have you felt that point in your life? That's where he's at. The bottom has come and it leads to this. But when he came to himself, there's his moment. Hey, I have rebelled, I've turned, here's God, I've said no and I've walked this direction. And I'm doing my thing and I'm going about my life and I'm doing it the way I want to do it. And at some point it finally doesn't work. And he comes to himself. And what's interesting is to see what leads to that. Keep reading with me. When he came to himself and he said, and I'm going to emphasize something as I read this, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer to be called your son. If you go back into the first paragraph that we did last week, you will see that from the moment he asks from his inheritance, he turns completely from his family. There's no mention of his father. There's no mention of his brother, his mother, any, no relationships. He gathers all he has and he goes as far away from them as he can. Now think about the sin in our lives. When we get lost in our sin, what are the things we don't want to think about? God Family, things that, that bring us back, 
Those things that we're actually avoiding. If I struggle with lust, the last thing I want to be thinking about is my wife. Because that's going to remind me how awful it is what I'm doing. Whatever it is that we sin with. And that's what the son does. He asks for this inheritance to go his own way. And then he just forgets. I'm ignoring my family. In fact, I'm going to go to a distant country as far away as I can so I can do my thing without the guilt without all the memories you guys, but then when he comes to himself, the first thing, his father. And all the language changes. Now it's even my father's servants have it better off than I do. I have got to get back. What's it like when you come to yourself? When you know you are sinning and you've been doing it for a while or maybe it's a short amount, what is it when you come to yourself What do you start thinking of? What brings you back? For the prodigal, it's remembering his family. It's remembering his father. It's coming to the recognition that what I'm doing on my own will never match what my father offers me. And it turns him around. And he begins to build the prodigal bridge. He's on one side. His father is over here, and there's this chasm of his rebellion. He's going to start building a bridge from this side to this side. Let me show you his bridge. I want to see if you can relate to it. See if this sounds like the way in which you deal with your rebellion. Here's his bridge. Go back into our text. Um, Go to verse 18. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. All right, first two steps for the prodigal. Step number one, there's a recognition of his sin, of his rebellion. Step number two, there's a confession. I will go to my father and I will say, I have sinned against you and against heaven. There's a confession. Keep going. Verse 19, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Step three and four, he will redefine himself. I am no longer a son. I am one not worthy to be called a son. Do you ever redefine yourself in your sin in this way? I don't even know if I'm a real Christian. I keep doing this so much. I am not worth coming before God. I just can't get this out of my life. I'm not even sure I really believe or I wouldn't keep doing this. He's redefining his identity. Not in conjunction with the father, he's decided. I'm not a son, I am no longer worthy to be called a son, that's my new identity. And he has penance. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Hey, here's the prodigal bridge. I go off and I sin. I'm on this side, on that side is my father. Step one of my bridge, I recognize I've done something wrong. Step two, I confess that sin. Step three, I redo my identity as one who is not worthy to be called a son. And step number four is my penance or my punishment, I will just be a hired servant. And then I'll get to my father. Do you recognize that bridge in your life? Do you ever do any of those things? I have messed up. 
God, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I cannot believe I did this again. I am just not even worth this. God, if you will just, and you start bargaining. God, if you will just restore me, I will never do this again. God, if you'll just do this, I will start volunteering in this thing here. And you start figuring out the way to build your bridge back to God. Does that sound familiar to anybody? This is the prodigal bridge. That's what he's doing. Yesterday was a beautiful day. Anybody get some time outside? I mean, there were like the people everywhere. Um, we decided to go to Arbor Hills. How many people been to Arbor Hills? Raise your hand. If you haven't, you should go. It's beautiful. It's in Plano off of Parker. Um, big forested area. There's like over a mile of this trail that goes around. And so we got our kids and we headed over to Arbor Hills to get some outdoors. And, and it really is. I mean, considering how built up all of this is, if you go to Arbor Hills, there's a sense you can kind of get away. So we head into Arbor Hills. We've got our two kids. We've got our stroller. We have a kid in the stroller. Um, and I'm thinking we're going to take a walk because there's a paved road that goes around Arbor Hills. But as we approach it, my two kids, my two older ones who aren't in the stroller, there's pathways that go down into the forest. They're like, hey, can we go down this pathway? And I'm thinking, no, like I have a stroller. And my wife says, yeah, safari's okay. Let's go for it. Now, she's not pushing the stroller. And, and we look at the path, and it's like, oh, it's probably not that long. And so here we go. We head down this path with our stroller. We're like off-roading with our baby stroller. 30 minutes later, we're lost in the Amazon jungle somewhere. And we're like going around, and the kids are like, let's keep going. And I'm like, I have almost driven the baby off a cliff twice. I mean, we are totally lost in this jungle. And eventually we get out, and I'm like, we are never going in that jungle again. Let's just walk. And so we take off around this path, and as we're going, I'm already worn out. Like we've spent, I'm putting this thing in, like there's all these roots, and we're going around them, and we got over a mile to walk around. And as we're walking, my five-year-old is dancing and jumping and twirling in the air. And I'm looking, I'm going, what are you doing? Oh, it's having fun. And he's doing all the stuff. And I'm like, I'm barely making it. Like going down this path, I'm like, you are going to totally wear yourself out. Like, dude, what are you doing? I'm good. Blah, 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 blah. Well, eventually we get to a point and he goes, we have to stop. I can't go any further. Somebody carry me. I wonder why you can't go any further. Like, you've exerted more energy than I do in like a week just on this half-mile trail we're on. I am not carrying you. And here's the thing I wanted to say to him. It doesn't matter how much energy you're putting into this. You're not getting any further along the path than the rest of us are. It's not helping you. All of that energy, all you're doing, it is not getting you any closer to where we are going than how we're doing it. You are just expending energy. The prodigal bridge is exactly like that. We are expending so much energy in guilt, in bargaining, in emotions, and feeling awful about myself, and I'm such a horrible, terrible person, and it's not getting you any closer to God. And you know this, because how many times do we do it? 
And yet we keep having to do it again. And it's not really doing much. And if it is working, the only reason it's working is because we have decided that we have done enough to make God accept us again. Does that sound biblical to anybody? Does that sound like the gospel at all? But we keep doing it. We keep expending this energy. It's not actually getting us closer. The prodigal had a shock in his life. Because here's what happens. In his mind, he builds his bridge. He gets it all ready. In fact, I, I bet he's rehearsing it even. He's, got, he's in a distant country. He's got to make it all the way back. I mean, think about any important meeting you've ever had. Think about any time you've had to confront somebody. Think about any time you've had to apologize for something. How many times do you run it over in your head as you're approaching where you're going? He's coming from a distant country over and over in his mind. I'm not worthy to be your son. Just make me a servant. I've totally screwed up. I mean, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And I just over and over in his head. And so he's getting ready to walk across the bridge. But here's the thing. When he shows up, his father is already on the other side of the bridge. He doesn't even get to step onto it. Look at the story. Verse 20. And he arose and he came to his father. But there are two really, really significant buts in this passage that change everything. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran right across his bridge before he could ever even start it and embraced him and kissed him. His father didn't even wait for a confession. Here's the thing about our father. Our father wants you back more than you want to come back. The son, hey, look what he does. Verse 21, and, and, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, I mean, just picture it. Here's the picture. Okay, here I come. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Dad shows up. Boom! He's overwhelmed. His dad is hugging him and embracing him and kissing him. And, and he steps back, and the son starts going, Father, I've sinned against you. I just, I'm a terrible, awful person. I can't believe I did this. It's just, and the father's not even listening. The father's looking to his servants. Hey, everybody, here's what the father's doing. Father said to his servant, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it and let's eat and celebrate. If you could see this picture visually, you would see the difference between how we view us and how God views us. That here is the son. And I guarantee you, we all know this. If you have ever felt really bad and awful and guilty and feeling like somehow I've got to do something to show this to God so that I can get his forgiveness. And you're coming in and you're like, oh, I'm just, it's awful, Lord. I'm so bad. I'm a terrible person. And all these things that we say about ourselves. And the camera's here on that face. If you could flip the camera and you could see God, he'd be ignoring you. He'd be going, Yes, 
You are back. I love you. Would you please come into my arms? Let's celebrate. It is such a different picture from what we bring into it. Because the son, the son is focused on his sin. The father is focused on his son. The son is focused on how do I make this up? How do I prove, tell me you haven't felt this before, how do I prove that I actually feel bad about what I've done? Because feeling bad is the most important thing about this, not turning from it. As long as I feel guilty, then I've earned God something. We're so big on I'm feeling bad and God is going, no, I want to celebrate. God wants you back more than you ever want to return. Parents, how do you feel about your children? If your child turns away from you, are you going, I'm gonna cross my arms and I'm gonna wait until they come back and sufficiently recognize how screwed up they are and how right I am. And when they do that, I'll think about forgiving them. Do you see God like that? And I don't mean right now. I mean, we're in church and we all feel good about things and we sing great songs and God is so wonderful and we're all happy and, and we're not gonna vocalize, we're not gonna say that's my theology because that's so against the gospel. But do you live that way? Do you live in such a way that your God actually stands distant and he's got his arms crossed and he's waiting on you to do something to make up for whatever it is you've done, whatever rebellion it was. That's not the picture here. The picture here is you don't even get a chance to say anything before he's hugging you. It's as if you're on this side of the bridge and you went, man, I have really screwed up. And you turn around and he's in your face. Like he's right there. And he's going, I'm here. I'm hugging you. I love you. You're my child. Stop trying to redefine yourself. You don't get to do that. You were born again. You're my child. You don't get to say what you are. I get to say what you are. Will you accept who I say you are and stop trying to be something else? Stop trying to make up things. There was an itinerant preacher many years ago, um, R.W. Ravensbury. And, and this was during the time where a lot of train travel and you had preachers that would go literally from town to town on trains, on horses, and they would, they would preach in these towns. They'd go to town squares and preach. And this is one of those guys. And on one of these trips, he's in a train car and there's this young man somewhere in his 20s or so, mid-20s. And this young man is just, there's something very wrong with him and he would get up as the train is moving and he'd pace back and forth. And he had this old suitcase with him. And at one point, Ravensbury goes up to him and he says, hey, sits down and says, I, I just wanna talk to you. Uh, I'm a preacher. Um, which today, if you said that, people would like, ah, get away from me. But during that period, no, it's good. I'm a preacher. And he said, I just, 
you know, what's going on? You, you seem like something's really bothering you. And this kid is just, he's tightened up and he finally unloads. He says, years ago, I would fight with my dad. We just fought and we fought and we fought. I'd fight with my mom. And at one point, I said, I just want to be on my own. And my dad said, fine, go on your own, then get out. And I left. And I went from town to town doing these little jobs and trying to survive. And it wasn't enough. And I fell in with a bad crowd. And I just got out of prison. I served years in prison. I wrote my parents when I was getting out and I said, I know you haven't seen me in a long time. I don't even know if this is your address anymore, but I wanna come home. I don't expect you to accept me. I have so messed up. I mean, I literally am getting ready to get out of prison. But the train tracks were near the house and he said this to them. If I am welcome home, will you put a white cloth in the tree for me to see? And if I don't see it, I'll just keep going and I won't ever bother you again. And as the train got closer to his house, the kid was so nervous that he asked the preacher, would you look out the window because around this bin is my house and I am afraid of what I'm going to see. The preacher wanted so badly for there to be something in that tree. I mean, just seeing this kid, he rounds the corner and he said, it was the most majestic sight I'd ever seen. Everything white in the house was on the tree. Blankets, sheets, pillow covers, apparently even underwear. If it was white, it was out there and it just covered this tree. That is our God. We're looking for like this little bit of white that just says, welcome me back. And God is covering the whole dang tree and saying, you are more welcome than you even realize. I want you home. That's our God. That's what he's looking for. And here's the thing. I understand our struggle with our guilt. I understand personally the struggle with, you know, if I have struggled, let's just say I'm gonna use greed. I've been greedy and I've stolen something. I was greedy and I cheated on my taxes. I was greedy and I found some money and I didn't give it back. And I was greedy and every time I am, I feel a little bit worse about myself. Have you ever gone through that? And I wonder each time that I say I'm sorry to God, do I really mean it? Because if I'm sorry, I, I, I wouldn't have done it again. And so that's when I start building this prodigal bridge and I start trying to prove it. We'll never truly deal with our sin until we recognize how much our Father loves us and that our sin has nothing to do with it. Do you know that every time you build that bridge, you say something about the cross of Christ? That his sacrifice wasn't enough? 
Can I tell you what we need to do with our prodigal bridges? We need to burn them. Hey, you know that old gospel thing that I'm here and God's here, and what makes the bridge? The cross. Have you ever seen that? Like there's visual, there's like little tracks and things, and there's this cross. That's accurate. The only thing that brings you into relationship with God is the cross of Christ. You can't add to it. You can't make it better. You can't change it. And when we can embrace that, we can actually embrace our Father and then deal appropriately with our sin. Instead of trying to deal with it over here and then when we're right, we'll go to our Father. If you get nothing out of this message, please hear how much God wants you to return. Every time you rebel, every sin in your life, no matter how far away you've gone, no matter how long it has been, he wants you to return and let this sink in worse than you ever want to return. Much like, again, parents, who do you think you'd want to, who do you think would want the return more, you or your kid? I love my kid right now more than they can even fathom. It wasn't until I had a kid that I recognized how much my parents loved me. Because like, I thought love was here, and then I had a kid. And there's this whole other level of love that I didn't even know existed. God has an infinite level that goes far beyond anything we know. I think that Dorothy probably suffered from PTSD. <laughs> like, if you think about the Wizard of Oz, and just think about what she went through, imagine like your dog gets out and you go chasing your dog, and like you're chasing your dog and suddenly your house gets lifted up into a whirlwind and it's spinning and you're in the house and as the house is spinning, you look out your window and your old crotchety neighbor is riding a bike through the air and then starts cackling and turns into a witch and flies away. And then when you finally land on the ground, you step out of your house and you're surrounded by midgets. <laughs> and underneath your house, you killed someone. You just see feet with feet. And then this orange, uh, pink ball comes flying through the air and lands next to you and poof, a woman starts talking to you. And then another lady comes and she's green and really ugly and lands and you discover you've killed her sister and she's really ticked about it. And more than that, you're wearing her dead sister's shoes. And she wants to come after you and you say, how do I get home? And the good witch, or I guess she's not really a witch, the good whoever that is says, take the yellow brick road. It'll lead to the wizard and you'll get to go home. And so she does. And on her road, she has to fight apple trees and flying monkeys and narcotic plants. <laughs> and the sister of the lady that she killed, she gets caught. She finds out the wizard's not real. And then as the balloon is taking off, it gets away and she can't even get on the balloon to go home. And all she wants is just to go home. And the good witch shows up and she says, Dorothy, Everything is okay. 
All you need to do is click your heels together and you can go home. It's been with you the whole time. Really? (laughs) Hey, lady, I already killed one witch. (laughs) You made me fight flying monkeys and poppies and all these things and I just have to click my heels together? Yes, and you can go home. That's our story. We've got this yellow brick road that's leading us back to God, and every time we'll go down the road, you know what we find at the end? A fake wizard that can't actually get us back to God. But all along, he's right there. He's right there. Turn to him and let his love be everything he wants his love to be for you. Be his child as he calls you his child. Don't redefine yourself. Don't force this thing and go down this big old path only to find it doesn't lead you where you want to go. Follow his path. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are immensely grateful uh, beyond words for your grace, for your love, for the sacrifice of your son that would bring us into relationship with you that we could never do on our own. Lord, now that we have come into that relationship, help us not to try to maintain it on our own, but to recognize we can't earn things, we can't, guilt isn't enough. God, help us to just turn to you and to embrace the love that is there. Thank you, Father. We love you. And it's in the name of your son that we ask it. Amen.